Hi there, this is Tell Me About Your Elf. It's a show where I normally interview people, but today it's just me. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys about uh, a little friend of mine named Lazarus Moonbeam. Um, he is hes the character that I play as in various different settings. I have about three different forms of him, so um, this might be a little difficult when I'm answering these questions, but I got my list right here, and I'm just kind of going to kind just going to run down them for you. Um, at the moment, Lazarus is a level nine druid, multi-class druid artificer. Um, in my in my D and D setting, where I'm the DM, he's actually a warlock, um, a warlock artificer, uh, multi-class, and it's mainly because he's supposed to be a, a doctor. Um, his doctor Lazarus Moonbeam, and I mean quite literally a doctor, um, kind of the witch doctor, not really a shaman style, but the idea is that he actually went to med school. He actually does have a doctoring degree. Neverwinter is like, you know, New York, and he's from the Bronx or uh, Queens or some outer borough. And, you know, he's kind of a just a small-time doctor who kind of uh, made a few mistakes and is now adventuring because uh, he had to run away from home. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it. He is a half-elf. His parents... Uh, are of course elf and human. I I'd swap it up every now and then because I can't figure, decide which one I like more, uh, whether his mom be an elf or his dad be an elf or him be a quarter elf. But specifically, they're part wood elf. Um, uh, they have a shop in the in downtown Neverwinter, where either they're both a floral and a carpentry shop. It's just kind of you know the Moonbeam family store and. The idea is that, you know, the elvish side used um, either they would use druid craft to sprout these beautiful bouquets and like the human side would use their druidic abilities to like wood shape these beautiful uh, uh, furniture, you know, whatever. And they would sell them. So they were kind of like they weren't small time. They weren't poor. They weren't rich. They were doing OK. Um, and he's the first one to either go to school or he's the one who just went to school anyway. He wanted to be a healer. And yeah, so that's kind of his his deal. Um, his background is a sage. He's pretty much always been a sage, no matter what, just because that's the closest thing I could think of that would be a grad student. Um, and the idea is that he's supposed to be a healer. Right now, the, where I am actually playing him, where he's the druid artificer, uh, he's more of a support. He's not much of a healer in this sense because, um, well, it's he's not a full-time druid, so his... His druidic healing capabilities that he would have, the dice kind of have spoken, and he's just not really that really on point with it. But as an artificer, however, um, he's the alchemist subclass, so I'm able, to, or he's able to distribute a very wide variety of types of damage. And with his bag of holding that he has, he pretty much picks up anything that isn't bolted down, so he's pretty much just a walking... Um, well, inventory. I, I, I pretty much, when I'm playing him, I'm kind of playing Fallout, that if I find something neat, it goes into the bag, and later I will probably use it. Like, during a boss fight, I had, um, or not really a boss, but, you know, we're having a hard time getting this guy, and they're teleporting around and whatever, and uh, Lazarus would went to the next room and pulled out a hunting trap and set it down instead of, I don't know, healing, and then tried to set up, like, a rope and net situation, and threw a bag of ball bearings on the floor and he, he kind of a area of denial type support jack of all trades type uh he, I, I play him ranged if he does attack it's ranged um 
but yeah, like, and let's see, what is he like? Um, actually, let's say what he looks like. Rather, he's got um short, he's got short hair on the sides and kind of very fluffy. I think the humans or the human side of his family has like curly hair, um, or like loose kind of um. I imagine kind of like a loose pompadour when I imagined him. Um, I think the best way I could describe him is a little bit like Rick Astley's hair from literally the video for um, Never Gonna Give You Up. And actually a good description of just like look at him in that. He's supposed to be like brownish auburn hair, kind of a plain looking guy. He really doesn't look like an elf at all. He is half elf in blood, but he's kind of got a rounded nose. He's kind of got rounded ears. One of his ears is kind of like jagged a little bit. Um, but that's not really, that's, that's the elf side of him, but it's really not like elvish in general. He's really ordinary looking kind of guy. He's got glasses. Um, they're kind of, um, horn rimmed, kind of older 50 styles. If you imagine Atticus Finch from like the movie, like the movie version of To Kill a Mockingbird, quite literally, I was going for his glasses. Um, they're similar to the glasses that I wear. And, um, I liked the idea of like, you know, D&D is wish fulfillment and or or traditionally used as wish fulfillment and I don't hear many people like wearing glasses because like why would you have glasses it's such a clear you know weakness that you have and I like to think that elves have good vision or whatever he just doesn't um but you know it's just kind of some flavor that I added for him um he's as far as like his general like demeanor kind of imagine like a less intense um, Dale Gribble from uh, King of the Hill. He's he. The thing is, is like he is just kind of like you. You need to be prepared, uh, especially in the beginning of the campaign. I tend to play him like whenever the party is meeting. It is literally the evening where he had he is running away from his clinic, or running away from home. He's packed a quick bag and he has got to go. And that's why he's quick to you know accept a job like say in Lost Minds and Vendelver. You are leaving to go to Fandolin. That is the reason why he's leaving, uh, is because he's trying to get away from home. Um, I'll expand on that later. But he, in the beginning, he tends to be really distrusting of anybody who's like an official, like kind of a cop or anything who might, like, he tends to not give out his real name. His He goes by Laser Beam, uh, Lazarus Moonbeam, Lazar Beam. Um, but because he is not used to, you know, lying, I mean, he's... I play him like a pathological liar. He's He is chaotic good, but he just, like, sometimes, like, one of his big things is, like, sometimes you have to do a bad thing to do a good a gooder thing. <laughs> I know that's incorrect grammar, but, you know, he's very casual, and, like, he's smart, and he's wise, like, because I put those points in the... Basically, his high stats are wisdom, intelligence, and dexterity. So the idea is that he is just, you know... He's prepared, he is smart, but he is an eccentric kind of character. I've kind of loosely based him off of a lot of different characters, as you can tell, like Milo from uh, Atlantis the Lost Empire. I've based him off of Seymour from um, Little Shop of Horrors, um, Tay Takemi from Persona 5. We're talking like pretty much anybody who's a doctor or an uh, or, uh, intellectual or anybody like that. Um, just the kind of the stereotypical nerdy type character, but when it comes to like the party, he tends to be kind of the. Um, I, I mean, we're, we'll just continue to say jack of all trades. Um, 
he even goes to when he he doesn't really give out his real name a lot um even his fake name like when in the original campaign uh he was getting a book made for him like uh i think it was actually quite literally a potion making for dummies and he gave a different party member's a party member's name when they were like what's the name that we can put this under and he was like uh my name is uh Philia Ironfist which y'all might recognize the name my literally my second guest uh, played by my uh, long-term partner, uh, Caitlin, uh, he would give her character's name, not usually around her, because uh, obviously, like, she would quickly um, kick his ass because of it, but, you know, he's just really just over his shoulder. Um, He's from Neverwinter. Um, His family life growing up was actually pretty okay uh he I, he has an indeterminate amount of siblings i know he has at least one brother but he might have a few more i'm not certain uh his parents uh were loving they are still alive too um, his family's alive and well he just has ran away from home essentially he's probably about like mid-20s usually his mid-20s to early 30s when i play him uh and it just kind of stayed around at home uh his parents were intense uh rather they were like you know you should keep up with the trade. You should, you should chase something, right? Like you should do something with your life. Um, and you know, he went to school in this one. Um, uh, and and in the story that I've kind of made is that he opened up a clinic back home, next door to their shop, and would take on small patients or whatever. I've kind of been changing around the story. It's not really a clinic anymore. It's more of just like a his own like laboratory where he does take patients every now and then because he's more of a tinkerer at this point than he is a doctor um but and one evening while his parents were home they don't live in the shop they live across town uh he was experimenting with some stuff that shouldn't have happened um in, in one instance of the story he had a patient who passed away under his care um it was not his fault but he believes it was and of course it it kind of made him into a recluse, and he stayed into stayed in his lab, stayed in his clinic, and stopped taking patients from then on. Stopped really seeing his family. Just quite literally became a hermit. And eventually, like he got into necromancy, and he was going to try to revive the person that had passed away under his care, um, but didn't go well because you're not supposed to do this. Usually, I I like to play necromantic adjacent characters either they had practiced with necromancy they're successful with necromancy a, a product of necromancy whatever i don't know why i'm still hashing that out my current character that i'm playing is a druid who is a necromancer and does pretty well at it um but lazarus was not so successful and created a monster um and panicked like he ad- admittedly he you know got it closed up or got it restrained and he made a go bag and then essentially rigged his clinic to explode. Um, or just like, you know, alchemist fire, just tossed it through the window, committed some light arson, and, you know, dipped out of town. Um, you know, that's tend to start some pretty good pretty good reason to leave is when you commit arson and are probably wanted for it, you know. So that is why he is gone. That is his background or his what caused him to start adventuring. Uh, he Initially, he was really unsure about adventuring because like, he's grown up in a city all his life. He went to university. He's very bookish. He, he's not, he, he quite literally is wearing his lab coat, 
and you know some light leather bracers like i like to think that he had like a leather chest plate because sometimes in a lab if he's more of a mad scientist he has a lab and explosives can be a thing so i like to think he has a leather breastplate or something like that um when he was just a doctor he was wearing his lab coat whatever just depending on which which version of him i'm running um to protect his internal organs of course from the uh, percussive wave uh, combat he is totally unsure of um he tends to stay out of it he originally when i was playing him more as the healer i would stay back or have him stay back and do ranged healing or when he would move forward he would uh of course be ready to defend himself but every time i tried to make an attack with him it failed Especially when when he was a doctor, the dice just made it to where I joked that he took his Hippocratic Oath really, really well. In that anytime he tried to make an actual attack roll from against somebody that wasn't a spell attack or something like that, like Thorn Whip, it, it would work. Um, but the dice just wouldn't do a whole lot of damage. And we're talking, there were times when an enemy would be laid out on the floor. Like, I have advantage on this. He also had a gun. Let's just be real. He, uh, like, I'm, I'm going to be straightforward with you. He, he, like, I like to think that he had, like, a revolver in a um, drawer or something like that just because he was downtown. He lived in his lab. He lived in his clinic. And his parents were like, hey, you know, keep an eye out, whatever. And he had it just in case, I guess. Like, again, as an alchemist, he didn't really have a whole lot of stuff to attack with that didn't hurt things nearby such as alchemist fire acid or anything like that uh so he had a revolver um but we're talking like this guy was laid out on the floor point blank and in this campaign we were rolling like i mean it's a pistol and if you're point blank right there on them it's kind of hard to miss especially if they're restrained and i still missed so combat he just never really was uh pretty good his current form is a lot better at combat and him as a warlock, he hasn't been in combat yet uh, because he technically hasn't been introduced to the campaign yet. But um, since I have upped his deck stat, or I say upped it, but rather it's positive, um, he's doing a little bit better. And uh, I've been playing around with the idea of the shield Laylee. Uh My DM, y'all have met him. Uh, Alex, he was a guest last week. Uh, we've Since druids have proficiency with uh, shields, uh, he has a wooden shield, a uh, really simple wooden shield that, um, while it's he's got it equipped, it's quite literally the only thing he's got equipped. He keeps his right hand open with a wand or, you know, his hand for doing a quick thorn whip or something like that. But he, bonus action sh uh, shillelagh on the wooden shield, and he would use it like a melee weapon if someone was close by. Otherwise, he would kind of get in the way of other people and try to defend them because, um, it, I mean, he is a doctor, he's a healer. And playing him defensively has been a little bit better than him being offensive, or at least in my experience. Um, he is not a morning person. He um, actually one of his first character things is that he stole a cup uh, a cup from the inn that we were staying at. I he didn't steal it; he paid for it. But we, you know, coffee was available to us, but I I didn't think that styrofoam or to-go cups existed yet, so he just took the mug and just laid a gold coin and was like, y'all hold on to it. And he just held on to that mug, and since they were adventuring and getting interrupted, he was a very slow coffee drinker. I don't know why. I just, like, I can't help but play him like a weird character. Maybe it's like some Latin, like, weird stuff that I'm working out or whatever, but 
very and I'm slow to drink a cup of coffee too, but he would use Purdue's Flame, which was one of his cantrips at the time, to warm it back up. So he would take a few sips and then it would inevitably get cold again. Um, let's see. He's not very devout. Um, he actually is now, rather. In the beginning, he wasn't very devout. He would do his regular prayers to the Druidic spirits that he was supposed to. But since in the current campaign where I'm playing him and he's a Druid artificer, I I am very quick to... I'm thinking that he's going to give up his Druidic ways. One, because it's kind of hard to argue like a Druid versus an artificer, someone who makes artificial like binds magic to things rather than finding the natural magic within things. It's kind of hard to fight between those two. Also, like a druid grows stuff, whatever. And as an alchemist, I'm quite literally playing him like a demolitionist. And I have been finding it kind of difficult to, you know, go between the two, the two sides of him. Just like his want to grow and to help and to heal, but his innate problem solving is usually to huck a fireball or to throw a alchemist fire or something like that and just destroy whatever he's up against. Uh, not really intentionally, but it just kind of happens, you know? Um, he He's very sarcastic. Um, he, he But he's not very, like, he has a very serious backstory, but I think, like, now that he is away from home or now that he's kind of had some time in between his running away or something like that, he's kind of loosened up a little bit. In our current campaign, um, he he's actually um, married to Philia Ironfist, or otherwise bonded to her, at, where she has now claimed her spot as like one of the leaders of her tribes, uh, her uh, dwarven tribe. And he just kind of wanders around, like he's taken up like staying around there and using like dwarven experimenting with dwarven metals and stuff like that. And he just kind of tends to, since she is like a, a committee member, she has to stay around and like make important decisions for the entire community. And he's since he's kind of been patching st stuff up with his family, um, albeit indirectly, he donates a lot of the gold that he makes. Like, obviously, he'll go to the market. The boy has a shot. He is bad with money. He's very bad at saving it. But um, when he's done buying 13 candles and you know, a 10-foot length of chain to throw into that uh, bag of holding of his. He takes what's ever left of it and sneakily goes and leaves it on the parent's doorstep at night to kind of pay back for destroying the, um, you know, the they, the clinic and the um, workshop. I don't know if they know. And to be honest, for the longest time, they thought he was dead because there was a body in the fire and it had human teeth. Uh, or humanoid teeth, rather, but because it was so burned up, I, like, I, at the time, was thinking that his parents thought that he was dead, and he had died in that, because I don't really know how good forensic science is in D&D, or whichever environment that, you know, we're working in. This is probably the most y'all have heard me talk, right? This is weird. Or, I mean, it's not weird. I tend to talk a lot, but y'all let me know if it's starting to drag on, whatever, um, because that's how this works, but, uh, he does have a character voice, or, he has a cadence. Um, he tends to sound like me. A lot of ers, a lot of ums, a lot of ands. I'm not going to edit this because I. this is a late recording. It's one ten in the morning, and we're just kind of going with it, right? But I've kind of been playing around with a kind of a rougher voice. I, I've always been a little self-conscious about how my voice sounds. And I like to think he kind of sounds, you know, like, Hi, uh, hi, my name is uh, Dr. Lazarus Moonbeam, and or uh, uh, I'm Laser Beam, uh... 
my name is Felia, Iron Fist, whatever, or like, get down, like, hey, uh, I'm going to need you to hold on to this real quick, or, um, you know, just, and, and he's, the voice is just kind of a raspier version of my own, and sometimes I will talk, like, uh, I mean, I, I don't go too low or whatever, but just kind of a sarcastic whatever, um, for a little while, I try. I kind of played around with, like, he's not dead yet. Like, hi, how you doing? I'm Dr. Lazarus Moonbeam. I, I kind of, sometimes I'll go up here with him, too, a little bit Midwestern, a little bit quick to talk, a little bit, you know, uh, trying to make him sound eccentric. Uh, other times, I've kind of brought him down here, a little bit more gruff. Um, but this is, like, an older Lazarus. I don't really know who this is, actually. Um, I'm kind of spitballing here. It almost sounds like Grunkle Stan, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's kind of inspired a little bit by uh, Stanford Pines. This might be a spoiler to anybody who hasn't watched Gravity Falls, but he's a little bit of both Stanley and Stanford Pines. Uh, just like the just canonical can't, like, he doesn't mean to, that's his low charisma, I think. Um, he just, like, not that he's like not suave or swarmy or anything like that, because charisma is kind of a mis can be a misunderstood stat. He does talk a lot. He's not antisocial. He's just sometimes gets in over his head, and just like people don't believe him uh, usually. But that's because he, I mean he's just not, he comes off as a sketchy guy, but he is also like um. He makes friends. Like, he is able to make friends. Like, he's friends with the party. Um, but, um, I don't know where that was going. So, whatever. Uh, the undead make him uncomfortable. Um, he is afraid of, and it makes him uncomfortable, the undead. Uh, he tends to make a much more aggressive stance against them. Like, we, in our most recent part, and when he we've been playing as him most recently, we were clearing out, like, the basement to a church that was overridden with undead, and liches and stuff, or just a singular lich, and actually, oh man, this lich, uh, so he was taking a very aggressive stance, and also, like, the party was kind of like, oh, I don't know which door we want to go to, this is the party with Andraste and Beecher and a future guest, um, hopefully, but, so, I just kind of, like, had him put on a shield and going up front and it's like all right you go up to the mausoleum door and it says this and they're like oh i don't know if we should open it and quite literally i would just like lazarus pushes his way to the front and like and it blew the stealth it blew everything but i was like he's not impolite like as far as we know like he's just gonna go up to the door and knock knock who's there like he's he's just an eccentric kind of guy like they're dead Hopefully they're dead. And his defense is like, well, if they answer, then we know to attack them. But if they don't answer, because, like, I mean, it makes sense to me, right? But I was also, like, that was a personal choice where I was trying to teach the party to go. Uh, not that, you know, I'm in any particular hurry, but it, we were kind of getting bogged down in, like, the, oh, who should take point and whatever, like, the strategy part of it when we were losing out on, like, the role play part of it. So I just kind of, like, muscled in and that's kind of both characters I'm playing right now are both pretty impulsive um I think so far I've made a really good uh case for Lazarus being a really impulsive character just with oh minor problem fireball whatever um he but this uh there was a lich a really powerful lich 
wandering these halls. We weren't really supposed to fight them, but Lazarus doesn't take a hint very often, so he um, walks into this room, and he's the first one to go into it. The party stayed behind to check out a different door, and he goes in, and, like, there's this old, ancient, dwarven, like, very skeletal-looking guy, and, like, the way that Alex described him, I did not pick up that he was a lich. I just thought he was just a really old dwarf. I'm gonna be real with you. And, again, Lazarus can't see super well, so I was just like, oh, old dwarf, and he turned, I was like, hail and well met, you know, just like, how's it going? And, um, and the dwarf turned one finger up and was like, I am in no mood. And Lazarus is like, well, I mean, what do you mean? Like, how's it going down here? Whatever, like, is not picking up on the, the, what the guy's putting down, and I, I mean it, I am in no mood. And Lazarus, like, all right, okay, turns and shuts the door and is like, hey, guys, there's, there's a rude person in there. And they're like, okay, well, you know, what'd you see in the room? I'm like, well, there's a door or whatever. And they're like, well, you think you can get in there and check it out? And he's like, I, actually, I have an idea. And he's, Lazarus is capable of casting disguise self on himself. But he doesn't want the party to know. The only person who knows is Andraste, uh, which he revealed in an earlier dungeon. Uh, because, like, Disguise Self is a very, I think is a very powerful spell, uh, just, just depending on how you use it. Because it, since he is hiding his identity a lot, he goes around in his normal face, but he just tends to cast Disguise Self to... Really, the... He only disguises himself against, like, the big boss and usually tries to confuse him or something. But So he, excuse me, disguises himself as an older dwarf. I was like, so I got a good look at the guy, right? And he was like, well, you got a good enough one. And I'm like, all right, cool. I know what the doors upstairs look like, etc. I want to look like someone who is adjacent. Kind of the idea of if they had staff, I want to look like them. Like wearing a Team Rocket style. I'm going to wear a black sweater with a R on the front or something like that. And, and he walks in, and but he gets the party to turn around. He's like, hey, guys, you know, I got to take a leak. I'm going to take a leak in the corner over here. Y'all got to turn around. And they're like, uh, okay, this is really weird time to do this, but okay. And as soon as they turn around, disguise self, he walks through the door uh, without telling them. So Lazarus walks into this room. He shuts the door. Uh, like, I, I made it very clear that it's like, and like, just to get the guy's attention, he turns back. And there's like this little nod. This uh, I actually stood up and like walked out the room and shut a door and like came in and like pantomimed this because I really like the role play aspect of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I was kind of just doing this like my leash, like hand wobble. Like if actually, you know what? We're gonna play along. Close your eyes and take your right hand and open palm. And raise it up to your, like, your temple. Like, almost like a salute, but, like, your palm is facing your face. Um, and just light touch with the with your fingers. And, like, act like you're making, like, a, a swirl, with like, away from you. Uh, like, perpendicularly away from you. And just kind of, like, just like a little head nod, as if you were doffing a cap, but also twirling the cap at the same time. A very sarcastic, like, how do you do type look. So, door shuts, he does this, like, weird little nod thing, and then proceeds to get the absolute shit kicked out of him. I'm not going to edit out the curse words, so I'm sorry, y'all. Um, but, uh, the lich, true, uh, new Lazarus came in the door. 
Lazarus left. Then a different guy comes in, casts true sight as a reaction, sees it's Lazarus, casts time stop for four turns, walks behind him, arcane lock, shuts the door, uh, locks the door behind him, casts cloud kill in the middle of the room and just leaves. And uh, Lazarus for four turns just... Constitution check, constitution check, constitution. And I'm sitting there like, and I don't know this. Like, literally, like, Alex is like, all right, uh, I'm going to need you to roll a constitution check. Now roll another one. Now roll another one. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. He's like, now you're going to take this much damage. You're taking this much damage. And I'm sitting there going, like, oh, my God. And, like, constitution is not Lazarus' strong point. Um, he, I like to think that he's, like, he's been almost a shut-in his entire life. He hasn't done much adventuring. I also grew up really allergic to a bunch of things. So I like to, like, kind of do that he's my first D D character y'all so he's very close to me right um but and like it took the party like they were bashing at the door and eventually like they knew that there was a side door so andraste comes running andraste is the only reason why i'm alive or why lazarus is alive but there were multiple times in that uh dungeon where you know lazarus was zero health points rolling death saves a uh, very stressful dungeon for him. Um, but it, this first time, when he revealed that he could cast a sky self to Andraste there uh, in this sewers-type dungeon, which was like a dojo of these martial artists that hated archers. Um, Andraste and a bunch of us were doing a lot of ranged combat, so it wound up being a pretty difficult dungeon for a lot of them. And the big... We kept calling him the Hokage because he was the big ninja... And uh, his, while half the party is fighting his animated sword and animated rug, um, he, Andraste made the mistake of shooting a bow at him, or an arrow, rather, with her bow. Uh, with her bow. And uh, he was like, uh-uh, I'm coming to get you. So there are two ways into this room, and since you know they were covering one of them, or rather, Andraste, it was a long hallway, she had a bow and arrow, you know, she had it covered. Um, Lazarus was like, all right, let's try this. So he takes a second doorway, which leads to a wooden room. And the room that has the big ninja, the Hokage in it, is one door away. So he, like, walks in, goes like, hey! Like, gets his attention, and then, like, yee, like, come and get me, whatever. And a dude is raging, right? Because he saw an arrow. And, and so he, like, comes in, and, like, Lazarus, like, Molotovs the the floor and, sh- like, runs out the door and, sh- like, leans up against it to shut it. And um, essentially trying to trap him in this room that he now caught on fire. Um, and it was spreading each turn. And since he had a bag of holding and had been picking up everything that hadn't been bolted down up to this point... Literally, I'm using free actions, I'm using reactions, I'm using my actual actions to just dump stuff. Like, he had, like, a 10-foot length of chain and, like, 10 pounds of salted beef and, like, just dumping garbage in front of this door to just make it really difficult to open, right? And he and the martial artist, or the guy, is just, like, hammering away at the door, just like, boof, boof, boof. And, um, and Lazarus' strength is not his thing, so he's just holding the door just like, oh, God, oh, God. And dude is taking fire damage at this point, going into rage, and eventually, like, the door's starting to splinter, and Lazarus, or rather, I get the idea, like, oh, I'm going to mess with this guy. And I turn to Andraste, and I wink at her, or Lazarus winks at her, 
and I cast a Sky Self to look like the Hokage, to look like the big, big ninja. And when he bursts through the door, like the frame is still there. He just makes a hole in it. And again, really into the role play aspect. And Lazarus is just like, you know what you have done. You must face the fires of your past. Just like trying to confuse this guy. And for a turn, it worked. And then, I mean, Lazarus didn't really have anything after that. And he and he rolls like a save. I, and, and just like, boom, like, like reaches through the door and just cold cocks him. And just like, Lazarus, laid out. And <laughs> so uh, the Hokage does have trouble, like, you know, getting in through the hole in the door because the doors, I guess, was just deadlocked after that. He was rolling pretty poorly. I was rolling pretty well. And again, he's pretty stressed out from the fire that is eating at his rear end. And eventually, like, once he, like, knocks me out, uh, like, Lazarus, again, zero health, this guy's self goes away. But so that is the reason why Andraste knows that he can do that. Um, his favorite item or reward that he's received, well, this in the uh, Dwarven under the church dungeon that we were doing, uh, there was some ancient schematics. No, no, there was, it was a Dwarven mine, sorry, forge that they were doing. He found schematics to um, essentially a handgun. Uh, handguns didn't exist in this universe as opposed to the other one that I originally was playing them in. But uh, so he got one and made a deal with some fellas at the, the Dwarven town, uh, Gontelgrim. I don't know if that's a real one or one that Alex made up, whatever. Um, it, he brought like some ancient Dwarven armor and a big mall and stuff like that from this dungeon, kind of some historical artifacts. And he's like, all right, uh, can y'all make this for me? And it wound up being a double barrel shotgun um, or what the equivalent is. And for the magic armor that was Dwarven sized and the only person who could wear it was our gnome monk who I just said monk probably shouldn't be wearing heavy armor. Right guys. So boom. I just sold it to them, and I was like, you know, like, all right, what do you want for this? And I was like, I want as much, like, black powder as you'll give me. And Alex was like, considering that this is a magic item, you essentially have a lifetime supply. Like, just more than you know what to do with. And to be honest, like, you could see the stars in my eyes, mine, Cole. Like, just, <gasps> like, yay! And you know what I did? I shelved them. I'm now playing a different druid. But... Like, the idea is that he is supposed to be hucking bombs, potions, healing potions, and in the meantime, like, he, <laughs> uh, in the double shotgun, double barrel shotgun has a wooden stock, right? So, uh, during one of the, when we were in the dungeon, the undead dwarven dungeon, you know, boom, boom, like, you know, just using the double barrel shotgun, and, uh, I mean, he's not taking two shots, but, like, if the gun is empty it's gonna take you know an action to reload so like i'd rather not reload bonus action shillelagh this wooden stock and now i'm just rifle butting people and like my that's my favorite thing about lazarus is that he is well-rounded uh, i've made him to be well-rounded i've made him to like and the shield lately to be honest he can't he can't use the shield and the double roll shotgun in one go of course but um like I've made him almost into this, not really a paladin, but just like he's either wearing a shield and either wielding like a pistol and, you know, holstering the pistol, 
you know, casting shillelagh on the shield, whacking somebody with that, or, you know, boo. Like, he is very quick to the draw as far as, like, you see a shriveled skeleton on, you know, uh, uh, laid out on the tomb, the, not the tombstone, but, like, the mausoleum, the stone table or whatever, and quite literally, like, before even it could go, like, because, like, it's undead. He knows the undead. We've rolled his history check and stuff like that. He just walks in the room, just like, and just like shoots it, misses. But you know, it's still a cool. He he knows how to make an entrance. Um, but yeah, like so, Lazarus is kind of I think my desire to be well rounded, to be useful in almost every regard. Uh, just my desire, like my innate desire to fix problems. Um, it's something like my parents uh my dad's a carpenter uh so and like just an all-around handyman and my mom's just like solving problems as well so i mean <laughs> i would like to think that your parents would like to, people in general like to solve problems as opposed to cause them but i wanted to make a character that tried to solve as many problems as he caused in the same time right um so i and i like playing fallout and i like firearms and stuff like that so he's just kind of my you know, lately it's just his druid uh, has been ignored, but he's my desire to tinker. He's uh, my trick, like kind of trickster or mischievous. He is mischievous. I like to play mischievous characters, but not maliciously so. He tends to trick himself just as much. Um, <laughs> he's just as detrimental to himself in combat as he is not uh i'll get to that in just a moment with quite almost one of my favorite moments i actually we've talked about it before it's the bar fight with andraste and all of them how it was just a mess and how lazarus um I, i'll fully expand on that because i don't think i said his side of it too much but um he's i like to make things i like to fix things i like when growing up i liked like the scene in The Great Mouse Detective when he's doing, like, chemistry to figure out the evidence of something where figure out, like, this clue came from the docks and stuff like that. Like, breaking down in all the, um, the, the vials and the bubbles and all that stuff. Like, I like, and uh, in Shovel Knight, the expansion where you can play is uh, Plague Knight. Like, I like potion slinging alchemists. I also really like Full Metal Alchemists. So, the idea of just changing things into something that is useful to you or fixing things is something I value a lot. So playing an al alchemist is kind of my way to kind of do that in the game, I guess. Um, also, I just like a bag of holding because I like to think that in Fallout, you're carrying one because how in the world are you carrying all that junk in a book bag, right? And just the whole, well, you never know when you're going to need this carton of cigarettes, so you just throw it in there. Or I'm going to need this billiard ball one day, maybe, and throw that. Uh, I kind of play home alone a little bit every time when I'm playing as Lazarus. Um, it wasn't until recently when I figured out the shield and shillelagh. I literally have a notebook that it's, it, it looks really ornate and you open it and on the front it says property of Lazarus moonbeam on the, in the, in the, in the beginning. And like, I have like potion ingredients. Like whenever a DM tells me like, Hey, this is what's in this potion. I write it down. And like, I, he's a meticulous note taker um, and I'm constantly like trying to think of cool things to do in campaign and in character. Actually, let me grab that notebook and like, I'm coming up with, uh, like inventions. Um, 
his alchemical formulas, who he's met, alchemist supplies, what he has in stock, uh, as in, in his back pocket, you know, stuff like that. And so, like, strategies, uh, wood shield plus shillelagh plus equals shillelagh, um, advantages to that. It's a little bit of metagaming, but it's completely in character of just, like, I have a wooden shield. I bought this for a reason. How can I make this work for me? Um, at some point, he might have tried, you know, casting grease or something and trying to shield serve or something, knowing him. Uh, I'm trying to do ranged healing, or I'm trying to nail ranged healing with him manually as opposed to using a, a spell slot. In many ways of doing this is like using a broken arrow, like breaking the sharp tip and infusing it with this, using the, the um, artificer, infusing it with the spell Cure Wounds to shoot a party member <laughs> with this arrow and uh, either have them be able to cast Cure Wounds on themselves or have it out automatically trigger. We'll figure that out later. Um, use a crossbow. If y'all played Battlefield Five, it's kind of like the the crossbow that shoots has a cup on it that shoots a grenade. Uh, it's kind of like that, but with a healing potion in it, so it you know crashes and like and uh, hits the party member or whatever, and hopefully heals them for more than I hurt them with. Um, using bark, uh, just writing down that I have the spell bark skin to remind myself. Infuse glasses with the spell disguise self, um, just so you know I can trigger it without. I guess, I don't really know the tactical advantage of that, to be honest. Um, uh, wooden forearm slash knuckle armor. Uh, basically, wooden brass knuckles. Uh, he had them uh, made while they were in the dwarven town. It took them a little while to get it down. but So, basically, I just want it to where, no matter what, he is able to have a weapon on him. Like, it's he's, he's my little Boy Scout. Um, I wasn't in the Boy Scout, so maybe this is compensating for that but no matter what he's gonna be prepared for something he's not good at hand-to-hand -hand combat so any way i can level the playing field via druidic magic since he's not very good at healing with it um you know the better uh let's see right now my crazy one is the heal thrower uh use uh fluid uh fluid dynamics and water pressure and stuff like that to basically just have a jar on his back filled with healing potion with a rubberized or otherwise galvanized hose coming in from the top and either you know uh siphoning out a healing potion to go into a valve and then you know kind of like the healing thing that oh hold on a second all right i'm back sorry about that uh so I don't remember what I was talking about. Uh, oh, heal thrower. It's kind of like uh, the medic's heal gun from um, Team Fortress 2. Uh, I Basically, I just... <laughs> I, I send a... I'll sit there and think about something, and I'll send a text to whichever DM I, I'm working with at the time. And just asking an a air quote innocuous question about the physics of their world. And then once I get an answer, I'll sit there and think about it some more. And, uh, yeah, and eventually I'll just come up with something, maybe, right? Um, but I haven't made the heel thrower yet, so, you know, that is that is kind of my far-fetched one because I recognize that that one's a little bit out there. But his he's just an inventor, kind of. Um, that's why it's been a little bit harder to call him, like, a doctor. Um, but he... 
I've been playing him where, in or at least in my campaign, he is... So, as I was saying, uh, in when I was originally playing him uh, in with as a character, of course, he... The party got in a little over their head as far as with a mission that our DM had given us, and there was a TPK, or the whole point was that there was supposed to be a TPK, but our party was doing pretty well. Uh, so, but we're fighting, like, this ice demon prince of hell. I don't know. We were level five, so that's what I mean by we were in a, a little over our head. But we were helping some... Oh, excuse me, again. It's, like, almost two in the morning, so excuse me, y'all. But And through a series of events that was definitely the fault of one of the other party members, canonically, um, Lazarus was killed, uh, actually, in in combat. Like, uh, the boss was charmed, totally not aggro, and then the rogue, for some reason, decided, instead of using his very high charisma stat and love to try to talk his way out of fights, uh, decided to hide and behind Lazarus, who was standing in front of him because he was going to heal him, on his next turn and sneak around like around Lazarus and shoot him with a bow thus, but he was hidden. So Lazarus drew aggro on accident because somebody else did it. And of course died as a result. He had about 11 health and took about 52 damage. So that tends to kill someone. And uh, yeah, I was, I'm going to tell you, I was real pissed at that table. I, Ooh boy, howdy. I was so pissed. So that's kind of, why I've been so stubborn as far as like keeping him alive. Uh, even though I've, I've been kind of canonically playing that like is in, when in Alex's campaign uh, with Andrasti and them, uh, his constitution stat is lower and he has a lung condition, which I like to think is because he died, uh, but he shouldn't be alive. But as a result, his constitution is lower and he uh, kind of like doc holiday just has like, tuberculosis like magic tuberculosis can't be cured in a in a chest like scar and it's kind of an homage to the original Lazarus that uh was killed in this other plane and in my campaign he died but he made a deal uh he can't he was resurrected he wasn't done um and he is a warlock now um I've been kind of playing around with a patron of my own uh, that I call the Siren Queen, uh, who is the patron deity of, like, alchemists' brews, uh, potions, and stuff like that. And it's it's kind of, it, I mean, it's Starbucks. I'm going to be real with you. The Siren Queen is just the Starbucks logo. And Sorry, I just hit my mic. But, because, um, I mean, what are we doing at Starbucks? We're just, uh, we're making stamina potions for people. And uh, I like that. I really like that. I'm taking ingredients and breaking them down and turning them into something else that's more consumable than just a bucket of sugar, right? I mean, they, we don't get our sugar in buckets, but, you know, whatever. So, and I, and I like to think that it's people come to us hoping that we will give them a stamina potion, and it is through the Siren Queen's blessing that we provide. Blessed be her brew. And I've been kind of, and it started out as a joke of me just like, blessed be her brew, I trust the Siren Queen, she'll never never give us a uh, drive through line challenge that we can never handle, right? And um, and in, honestly, it really helps out my morale at work, <laughs> just to pray to this 
fake deity that I I or patron rather um, that I have invented. So I've been playing around with her being a real patron to Lazarus now uh, that she had resurrected him and now he serves her. So now he's a warlock artificer as opposed to a druid. Uh, because to be honest, he was kind of failing on his druid tendencies. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a little bit about Lazarus. Um, to be parting things is that I want to give him robot parts. <laughs> like uh, either because artificers at level six, they can have like a construct beast or something like that. I've been toying around with the idea of like he gets wounded before that and like loses either his left arm or his right arm and takes the arm that he had been working on and attaches it to himself because it's very on brand for him. And um, maybe it's like soul wood or it's like a wooden construct. I don't know yet, just to make it where he can shillelagh with it. I don't know. But uh, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, in my campaign, he's not much of a druid anymore, so I'm not really worried about it. But in the current campaign of him playing, I want to get him a robot arm, and I'm trying to figure out how to do that, or air quote, air quote robot arm. But, um, yeah, this is Tell Me About Your Elf. Um, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. Uh, it might be a little rough to listen to just me for all this time. So uh, if you've stuck with me this far, thank you very much. And I appreciate you listening to me talk about Lazarus. I'll post up a picture of him in just a bit. And, you know, uh, I don't normally do this, but if if y'all go to, like, iTunes or go to Twitter, you know, you can find us at at T-M-A-Y-E cast on Twitter and just come and talk to me. Um, I, I say us. It's literally just me making this show. <laughs> and me and my guests, rather. But um, I'll chat with anybody, man. And if you're interested in coming on the show, send me a message on Twitter. Or, um, yeah, actually, that's the only way I can get in contact. I have a Facebook page. Just search for T-M-A-Y-E cast. Um, you can check us out there. Um we're available on Spotify, iTunes, um, Google Play, Spotify, yes, Spotify, and SoundCloud at the moment. And I've been trying to expand further, maybe Podbean, maybe, I don't know. Um, but yeah, come check us out. And on iTunes, leave us a review if you don't mind. Um, and yeah, that's that's all I got for you. So thanks for joining me, and this has been Tell Me About Your Elf. Mm-hmm.